Greetings, lovely people, wherever you are on the planet, and a very warm welcome to SG Live. It is Thursday, the 22nd of October, and I'm really pleased to be with you today. As you can see, I'm all dressed up, ready for the topic in hand, which is all to do with job interviews and top tips. Now, my guest today is someone that a lot of people will be very, very familiar with. He's, um, he's been very active uh, on LinkedIn, um, certainly in the past, and I think he's coming back to play more of an active role. But before we dive into the actual program itself and the show, I'd like to share with you three things. First thing, gremlins are inevitable. So if there are any hiccups along the way, I will try and stay calm and try and fix them as I go along. The other thing is also that there is a connection piece to this. And the connection is really that if you want to get in touch with me to tell me anything about the show, how we can improve and what we can do, please don't hesitate to drop me a line. The email is somewhere up here. As you can see, it's live at redrisks.com. And there is also a website over there which is www.redrisks.com. Please do let me know. And finally, there is a live chat feature. So if you have something to say, please share with us because together we can learn, we can collaborate, we can share experiences and knowledge and make this world a lot smaller place as we connect, share and learn. Now, let's get on with the show because you probably want to know a lot more about the subject and our special guest. So my special guest today is Tanir Chetinkaya. He is the corporate HSE manager for the Inco group of companies in the UAE. Now, when you look at Tanir's LinkedIn profile, it'll say environmental engineer and a practitioner, uh, level six OHS. Tanir is also a specialist member of the IIRSM and a grad IOSH. What I liked about Tanir's profile was he said he was father, husband, son, HSC enthusiastic and a humble person. I can certainly tell you that he is a humble person because I spent a bit of time before the show catching up with Tanir, getting to understand what he wants to do. And I've never met anyone who's more open and receptive to offering his advice and tips. And that's what this show is all about, to get Tanir's input in terms of job interviews and some of his top tips. So let me bring Tanir on board and hopefully everyone's there and uh, we can start to discuss some important things. Hi, Tanir. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm, I can hear you very well. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you very much. Good, Good evening. Good afternoon and thanks for having me in the show. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Well... It's really much appreciated. Mohammed, uh, very good afternoon to you and thank you for the show. Charlie, hi, good afternoon. Good, Nice to see you on the show as well. Now, Tanner, before we dive in and talk about job interviews, I need to bring a couple of my colleagues on board as well. Um, it's the stream team. So it's a collaborative effort and folks on, on chat can also share their thoughts and views as we dive in. So we'll pitch a few questions backwards and forwards and, uh, and take it from there. So you, you know Salom. Salom is based in uh, Ghana. Hi, Salom. How are you? Hi, Sonny. I'm doing great. Hi, Tana. Ooh, Ooh, hello. Welcome. And and Gemma, how are you, Gemma? Not bad, not bad. How are you? <laughs> Fine, thanks. 
Must apologize. A few of our colleagues on the stream team are, well, we can't have them every week. We're very honored that they share their time anyway. But uh, Jorge um, and uh, Firoz and Sanjay and Dang send you the regards. And there's a lot of time difference, of course, so it's a bit difficult. The subject, job interviews, top tips. Now, surely you must see a lot of people in jobs, I suspect, Tanner. Definitely, definitely. Um, uh, to be honest with you, um, you know, maybe being a, let's say, corporate HSC manager for an organization and um, receiving, you know, so many connection requests every day and so many CVs, actually. And uh, let's say that some of people's approach is uh, very good, actually. I like, I mean, I must say that, you know, I like the people who are, you know, uh, being honest when they are approaching to the you know, the, to the other person and, you know, just um, being open and clear with their communication. What is the purpose of their approach and what are they expecting, you know, uh, through this uh, communication, which which I like. You know, I'm, you know, I like to be in honest with other people, actually, with my interactions. And uh, yes, it is correct that I'm having, let's say, so many interactions with other people from, you know, other parts of the world. Yeah. Yes. Do you, I mean, let me start with the first question, then we'll get Gemma and Salom on as well with questions. Let me start with my first question. Do you get a lot of people who, I've got to be careful of the language because it might, yes. it might get uh, blown out of YouTube, but do you get a lot of people with porky pies on their CVs? What do you look for in terms of CVs? Do you look for quantity or quality? The Actually, um, you know, there are so many uh, types of CVs. I, I mean, you know, I believe that there is no right and wrong on when it comes to CV preparation. But, you know, what I like to see that on the first page, I mean, I'm expecting a person's CV to be, let's say, two pages maximum because, you know, for, yeah, I mean, because each and every uh, position that we are, let's say, posting on LinkedIn or some other, uh, let's say, mediums that we are receiving so many CVs, so. I would like to see the young people's uh, experience on the first page, you know, I mean, the dates, the qualifications, certifications, you know, and the, you know, their age maybe. And I like to see their uh, photos. I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, it is my way of, um, let's say, um, much more of a personal touch in this CV. I would like to see the person that I am. Uh, checking the CV. Maybe it is wrong. I'm, you know, I'm not an HR professional, to be honest with you, but, you know, that's no, what I, I like in the CV. Yeah, I think, I think a picture is a good idea. And I found mostly, uh, certainly not in the UK and certainly not in Europe or probably the US, but as you go towards like the, uh, the Middle East and so on, there's a lot of CVs that I see which have photos, WhatsApp numbers, phone numbers, everything, you know, mother's phone number, you can name it. It's on there. Um, but um, okay, I've got tons and tons of questions for you, but I don't want to hog the limelight. Let's get let's get some other inputs as well. Um, Gemma, you you being in the uh, manager role as well, you must see a lot, and you as well, Salom. I mean, what was your thoughts as well? Okay, um, for me, I'll just go with my CV because I'm not the manager yet. I'm in a managerial position to be reviewing. Well, you're CV. At the, you're at the sharp end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. For me, my approach is. It's just um, on the first page, I'll have my some few personal details about me. So it's going to be my my full name, my my age, my date of birth, where I'm, I, I, which country I reside in, and then some of my social media handles like LinkedIn and um, let's say Skype as well, because these are, I mean, some important information that can 
um, give some brief description about where you are coming from in terms of demographics. Before then, I would give a slight um, summary of my my profile, just um, my strengths and weaknesses or whatever good stuff that I have to write in summary. Before I then go down to the various workplaces I've worked in, and the and a brief description of some of the things I did and my achievements in order of um, the most recent work that I've done. So from the top will be the most recent work I've done, yeah. going down to the, I mean, the ones that I've done in later days. So basically it's just to make, make sure it's simple, keeping it simple is, is always important so that yeah. when HR people are reviewing your CV, they don't have to be reading through a lot of fluff or, or chaffs it has to be something very, very concise and precise so that you'll be able to stand out from the rest. So I think that um, from the top, just a brief description of um, demographic um, information about you, and then you go down to a summary of what your profile is and then where you have worked over, over the time. And then maybe some qualifications and professional um, certificates that you want to show. So that's just um, what yeah. I can do. That's good stuff. That's good information. Gemma, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, my own CV or looking at other people? Just, just, just in general, because, I mean, if we're looking at, and we're going to come back to uh, Tanner in a minute and, and, and quiz him a bit more, but in terms of your experiences and um, setting out and, and thoughts, just, just a sort of generic thought process. Um, I have suggested we throw away a CV that was written in Comic Sans. Right. Yes, of course. <laughs> comic is as comic does, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anything. Yeah, Comic Sans, if I see it, I won't even bother reading what's in it, okay. regardless of right. what's in it. So, it's a, it, unless, of course, we're going for a job with children. Well, yes, yes. Okay, so we've got some activity now on chats um mm -hmm. come back to that one about jobs with kids and teachers and so on my, my daughter's a teacher so we got a question from uh sometimes it doesn't always say the name of the person it just is there any recruitment going on uh, hey tana that's one for you you know <laughs> you're always recruiting i know that <laughs> yeah definitely if you are available in oman with noc i mean just drop me a message on linkedin then we will be in touch for sure Excellent. Uh, Charlie, great to see you. Hopefully you'll join the show because I did share the link with you and we had a great chat last week. Um, Charlie says, COVID has brought quite serious problems with HSE recruitment, particularly with a candidate pool. It is a buyer's market. God, yeah, it is, isn't it? How are you finding that across the board? I mean, um, Tana, has it affected you in any way? Um, definitely, because, you know, there are always uh, movement restrictions. That's number one thing. Then, uh, I mean, we are actually we have a big HSE um, team. And I mean, but we cannot move people from one country to another. That's that's one difficulty. And we are mostly focused on the local, you know, locally available candidates that which we can, you know, um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, discuss and make interview and, you know, take, take them on board. But um the thing is so many people have noticed period that is one tip one difficulty and in some countries there are let's say no objection certification you need to get from the from your current employer and some organizations are not willing to you know give that 
and we see people yeah. to the to the people. I don't know what is the reason for this, but of course there are difficulties in the market. There are so many people available. I know, but you know that because of we cannot move people from one place to another, that's a quite challenging situation, to be honest with you. Okay, so I I I have a question. Okay, when we put a label on the on the show, it's uh, job interviews and top tips. I've always found when we start talking about these things, we we tend to talk about so many things. So let me let me really home in on some key things and key important things. We have a COVID thing going on, right? We don't know when it's going to end. Charlie's right that it's saying about um, COVID resources, etc. Charlie's going to come on, but he's saying he's having problems with the camera link. So hopefully he'll fix that. We want to help as many individuals as we can out there collectively between us in terms of finding uh, a light in the dark. What do they do? Where do they start? Where do they go um, for a job? I'd say the, the thing is, uh, you know, I believe the, uh, to be honest with you, I would believe the power of LinkedIn. And, you know, when, when I receive, uh, I, I receive so many CVs uh, and, you know, our HR also receives so many CVs. But when I am checking a person's, um, uh, let's say, CV, also I would like to go through to their LinkedIn uh, profile if they have. And if they have LinkedIn profile, I would like to see, you know, what are they doing on LinkedIn, you know? That's one important thing for me, how they are, let's say, contributing to the um, community. That's one thing, uh, you know, I found some people just, you know, trying to help the other people, you know, commenting, giving advices. Those are the people that I like to take them on board because it is one kind of equality to me as an HS professional. We should be open for communication and we should be open to giving advice and people should uh, should be able to approach us, you know, with a, with a free manner. Let's say that. You know, they don't... But, but but what is it that opens the door? Your door, you know. I mean, you're going to get hundreds of CVs from all over the place, as Gemma does. You know, it could be Salom's CV landing on someone's desk. But what, for you as well, Gemma, what is it that excites you about the person's CV? Or and as Muhammad is saying here. What is the HSC qualification required? You know, not necessarily to work abroad, but are you looking for people with credentials after their name? Does it have hundred letters? You know, postnomials after their name, or what do you? What is it that turns you on? Um, from my point of view, as I mentioned, that I'm not an I'm not an HR professional, but what I like to see these, you know, the, the education is important for me. And the qualification, it depends on the position that I am, you know, offering. I mean, if I'm looking for an HSC manager and, you know, I'm expecting them to have, let's say, level six qualification, maybe. And for HSC officers, majority of the people have NIBOSH and, you know, IOSH I can accept and OSHA 30 hours, for example, is important to, you know, have in their, let's say, inventory as a certification. I must say that the ND... Um, the, the thing is, they, you know, what I believe that the person should know himself or herself better. I mean, I like the CVs that have, you know, um, mentioning uh, strengths on the uh, first page of the CV, you know. I mean, HSC is a very, let's say, very wide uh, topic. I mean, we cannot know each and everything. I mean, if you are spending time on the oil and gas industry and you are not familiar with, let's say, civil construction, 
I mean, because process safety management is very different than the, you know, uh, let's say construction management or, you know, any other industry. So those are the things actually, you know, affecting me, checking the qualifications and, you know, for abroad, I mean, you know, for abroad work, usually the, the my clients actually, they are asking, let's say, the GCC or Middle East experience. It is one of the things that I'm trying to overcome with, with my clients most of the time, because if, if a client says that, okay, you will bring HS officers into, to, into this project, but uh, they need so, to have... Sorry. Sorry, Tana. I think I'm not sure if it's my my side, but I don't know if Gemma and Salam can also hear. Is there's some yeah. yeah some issues with the with the mic on your side? It sort of flicks backwards and forwards. But anyway, gremlins. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So that was Mohammed about what is a HSE qualification required to work abroad. Gemma, do you get do you get a lot of um, CVs coming through um, from abroad, or is it usually just uh, from the UK side? I most of the people that speak to me wanting work are um, uh, not in the UK. Right. Um, but for me, the health and safety qualifications can you can get them easily enough. I mean, the certificate takes a fortnight. Yeah. I would be far more interested in the fact that they can talk to people. Right. Um, that they can communicate well with other people. I mean, I've got a teacher training degree. And that's come in quite useful in health and safety. Not that I'm teaching people or anything, but in the way that it taught me to understand how to adjust your approach, depending on how the other person responds to you. Obviously, if you're trying to teach a 14-year-old chemistry and they're just staring at you blankly, you have to change the way you're speaking to them. And that, that taught uh, different uh, communication methods. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the health and safety qualification would be the be all and end all because it's it's something that if you've got a person who can learn, who can communicate well, you can get you can get that for them. You can't necessarily teach a person not to well, not to put too fine a point on it, not to go out onto site and piss everyone off. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I nearly did it, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I get in trouble for it, I'm, I'll. I'll I don't worry. Sorry. Okay. So, um, Salon, now you are at the other end of the of the continuum, so to say. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel that you you need to be armed to the teeth with a lot of letters after your name when you go for job applications? What, what's your at the sharp end? What do you feel? Okay, for me, I think that. Um, Apart from having some good qualifications, that is generally expected of the position that you want to occupy. If it's a managerial position, definitely you want to be very competitive with what you have. So a level six, um, maybe a, a Nibosh diploma is, is very, very essential. If it's just a normal officer position, then definitely you want to have level three, Nibosh IGC. The reason being that the competition out there is, is very keen. So definitely right. you want to make sure that they're equally competitive so that once they begin to look beyond neighbors, a neighbor's certificate or diploma, you can equally bring something on board or you could be shortlisted to be part of the candidate who could then be um, yeah. interviewed for other skills. So apart from making sure you have the baseline certificate, you definitely also make sure you, you have the industry um, 
um, experience, depending on which industry you want to work in. If it's in the oil and gas industry, definitely you should have had some oil and gas experience to be able to prove a point to the interviewers that you're a good candidate. If it's construction, definitely construction experience is, is very essential. So it's not just about um, just the qualification. Qualification is very important to be able to compete, but you also need the experience to be able to stand out as a good candidate for the position. So okay. it's not always about those um, so many abbreviations or those uh, membership um, suffixes nominal, at the end yeah. of the name, but it's always about just what you can bring on board. Yeah. So let, let's take a bit of um, a sense check and get some of these conversations in as well. Tanner, if we can uh, post some of these to you. Um, Charlie's still having camera problems. Vinod says, hi, hi, Vinod. Mohammed, uh, so we've covered that one. Mohammed says he's completed an industrial safety diploma having experience, so can I be eligible to apply without having NEBOSH and Irish certification? I think we've sort of covered that, saying you need to really look at what you're applying for and where it is and see if they, if they do accept those things. Uh, did I misinterpret that? Is, that? is that what you all agree as well? I, I agree on that, yeah. Good, good. Um, Mohammed says IOSH ex asterisk. So I assume the uh, Irish certification was a typo. Ah, sorry. Yeah, ah, okay. Thank, thanks, Gemma. I'm so glad you uh, put me right there. So apologies for that. Um, so uh, now we have uh, Jashlik who says hello. Hi, how are you? I think you're in Kazakhstan, if I remember correctly. Mohammed says thanks. That's fine. Uh, Hello, sir. Okay, we've got a good question here. Umar, presently most companies, especially in the Middle East, now require safety practitioners to have engineering background. A lot of people are rejected because of this. Do safety practitioners really need to have an engineering background to practice? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Let's start. Let's go around. Let's start with um, your good self, Tana. What's, if someone applied to you for a job, and they didn't have an engineering background, would you say, hit the road, Jack? No, no, actually, um, I don't really uh, look at that. I mean, you know, having a bachelor's degree is a, I mean, on engineering, of course, it's a plus, but it doesn't affect my, let's say, if I shortlist that CV and if I decided to make, uh, let's say, interview with that person, it doesn't affect my decision whether that person has an engineering, you know, degree or not. I mean, it's not affecting to my decision at all. Great, great. And Gemma, from your perspective? Um, I think having at least a little experience in the industry you are working in from the ground level is advantageous because it is very difficult to apply um, health and safety regulations when you don't actually understand what you're applying them to. Right. So that's, I think, why you end up with so many people who have health and safety rules that are just black and white is because they don't understand why they have that rule. If right. you've worked on the ground floor, you've got that understanding of why that rule's in place. And you then don't just have that black and white, we will do this, we will always do this, because you understand why you do it in situations where it's not necessary. Mm. So I think having that background stops lazy health and safety. Uh, so well put that. I like that. Lazy health and safety. I like that. Um, lazy health and safety is the, the type that gives it a bad name. Yeah. You know, the person with the clipboard, oh, you've not got your glasses on. 
Yeah, checklist. So if you're mark, a bad mark against your name, you're not coming back on site. But, yeah. Well, actually, in this situation, I don't need my glasses because I fully understand the risks yeah. and they're not relevant. It's not yeah, doing anything I mean, for me. And I suppose they'd sit in the pigeonhole of safety police, wouldn't they, being the safety yeah. police? Can I share some of my thoughts with you? Um, I, I don't recruit anymore, but certainly when I was with um, the companies I was with, we used to recruit and I used to be in, in the chair recruiting as well as when I did apply for jobs. My view about um, people who apply for jobs and where their CVs are, firstly, when you apply for a job, it's, you don't know the people. They can only accept you with a piece of papers that they present to you. And you're absolutely right, Tanner, that most of them are coming through LinkedIn or whatever. If we shortlist a, a thousand CVs to 10 or 12 or 20, what normally happens is we put their name into Google. Okay. We put their name into Google. So you, you guys, whoever's on, on the show right now, put your name into Google and see what happens. Obviously not yet. Don't go off the show yet, but do it later. Okay. <laughs> put your name into Google. And if you see something that is not right, Put it right, okay? Because data is king. If there's bad stuff out there, if you've written stuff in the past which might not be yours at all, it might be someone else's, but you need to be absolutely clear that you've got a really good background and a profile. That's the first thing I normally do because I don't know the individuals, okay? The second thing is then you get the people in, and, and I think you're absolutely, all of you are absolutely right. I don't look at it whether they've got engineering um, credentials or not. I look at whether they can do the job and whether they have the personality and the capabilities. Apart from that, I don't think it's rocket science. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's just a case of ticking a few things, making sure that they uh, they, they fill, the, fill the needs. Um, and Correct me if I'm wrong, if you think I've said something uh, that's not right. Uh, that's the engineering piece. So we've got um, Sujat saying, thank you, great conversation. Okay, question from Chandra. Chandra Sikar Banakulu, why most of companies seeking HSE candidates, background, qualification, technical, BTEC diploma? Have we answered this already in some way? What do you think? Tane? Um Actually, uh, you know, being having a technical background helps you during this, um, you know, journey. Let's say that because I I am taking the advantage of you know my engineering background when I am you know um, having this complex situation. Let's say if um, I mean HSC, being an HSC professional requires you to let's say not excelling but having some skills and knowledge on. So many things you need to know about lifting, you know, you need to know about calculations, let's say, you know, and, uh, you know, chemistry. I mean, mathematics actually will help you uh, mm. through this. I mean, that maybe that's the thing that uh, some other companies are looking for technical background, which I, I think they believe they will, it will be helping, the, helping them to, you know, achieve what they are, you know, uh, mm. aim to achieve. Mm. So mm. I don't judge actually but you know from my point of view if a person have uh let's say um you know good communication is important from my point of view how these people are able to um you know uh, put put it together and you know given answers to your questions how they are forming you know these answers because i'm expecting them to be communicating with people have let's say a minimum hsc knowledge that's when they are working on the especially you know construction site that's mm -hmm. important yeah. So um, 
Let's go past the uh, stage of uh, CVs and getting the foot through the door and everything else. Okay, so I know you got a few jobs, Tana. So I'm dressed up for uh, dressed up to get a job off you now. Okay, is it important to look the part? Yeah. Do you do you have to make a bit of an effort? Because I mean, being in HSE, sometimes people think, well, I can just turn up in my uh, cash because I'm going to be out in the field most of the time, etc. And so on. I'm talking about for job interviews, not after the job, okay? Yeah, during the actually this COVID is affecting, you know, there's the job interviews also. Most of the interviews are going through online and let's say Zoom and you know the other things. I, like, I promise I haven't got shorts on, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I have. <laughs> the thing is, of course, it is because we all are human and we are just, you know, uh, we are expecting a candidate or a person to be, you know, of course, well-dressed. And that shows us the that they are, you know, um, you know, um, being serious about this. I mean, they are paying attention to this. I mean, they are they, they are desiring to get this position. I mean, it is somehow, you know, affecting how, how you look. I mean, how you are dressed is affecting, to be honest. I mean, I cannot say the other yeah. way. Yeah. Gemma? Sorry, sorry, time. Gemma, Salam, start with you, Gemma. Does it have an impact, do you think, to be a zoo suited up and booted up, or um, does it really matter? Of course it does. You make your decision on somebody within the first seven seconds, whether you realise it or not. And between the two of us, Sonny, you're getting the job, aren't you, really? If I rock up like this, you're getting the job, regardless of what we have to say. He's also been paid. Yeah, yeah, I'm but he's not. Gross. He hasn't offered me any money yet. Sorry? <laughs> he hasn't offered me any money yet. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, I think you have to do a bit of an attempt, don't you? Doing. I mean, did any of us get our job <laughs> going to, going to the interview with slacks or pajamas on or something? Of course not. We didn't, right? So you have to make a bit of an effort. What do you think, Salon? Do you do, would you go for a job uh, looking cash? Definitely not. Definitely not. You need to dress the way you want to be addressed. So um, if we, and definitely it's competitions, why would you want to underdress and then show up at an interview? You're already kicking yourself out of the interview room. So you need to dress to match up because it's already a competition and you yeah. need to make sure that you're up for it. Yeah, competition, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you've got to, you've got to stand above the rest. I mean, it doesn't mean... You, you've, you've, won, you've won the first battle, which is to get your foot through the door and get in front of the, uh, of the folks. The next thing is you don't want to fall at that hurdle by not making some sort of an effort. So um, please make an effort. Um, unless, unless maybe you've been assured of the job already, so it's just a normal formality that they want to find out. Is that yeah. what you got to offer? I think even if my dad owned the company, I wouldn't be assured of a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Got the interviews, got to the first stage, Tana. I'm sat there in front of you, all suited up, booted up, okay? What are you then looking for? Um, actually, uh, you know, it is not a, a, a secret that I have about, you know, 30 questions that I'm asking to each and every candidate. But, 30 you know, questions? 30 questions, but these are, like, let's say, a quick answer. Let's say one phrase question. For example, I'm asking, you know, what is the definition of safety? I mean, you know, the, I mean, starting from, yeah, starting from that and going to the level that which we will be talking about, L-E-L, U-E-L, you know, S-E-L, the other things. 
And um, um, do you do you what, get do you get many people who have no idea what that is then, or do you? I mean, that's really planned and prepared. I can see I can see you're really doing a lot of interviews, and you have to be very strategic, don't you, in how you pick people. That that's that's one thing that I should do because you know I need to give I need to speak with numbers. You know, then I am representing my interview. Uh, let's say notes. I should give them a score. I mean, this is I'm not saying that I'm just you know uh, let's say examine them, but uh, I mean I should speak with numbers. You know, when it comes to you know selecting people, if a person is you know making well, you know, then the other person, you know, some people scoring let's say eighty five and ninety for my interview. And some people having like let's say 45 and 50 i should speak with numbers that's that's why i'm you know going through with those questions and how they are representing and putting their answers and and you know um and i mean how they are presenting their answers is important for me i mean i've somehow i don't want to say i don't want to sound you know uh, uh bragging about this but i somehow feel that you know they are confident i mean even if i'm making the telephonic interview i feel that i understand that if they are reading from somewhere this uh, you know once or if they are just you know speaking from their experience that's that's you know uh interesting thing that i must say you you've touched on an area i want to come back to um but just just to go to Gemma and to salome as well before i ta- ask you that question so Gemma, they they um they're in front of you, and do you ex- do you have any expectations from them? Are you going to quiz them on technical aspects, or is it is it just you know, how's your family and stuff like that? Or how do you deal with it? I wouldn't quiz them on technical aspects. They've got the qualifications. I don't need to go. To, I'm not an examiner. Yeah, I would get more of a feel for the person and see whether they would be suitable um, interpersonally rather than what does this acronym mean you can look up an acronym you can look up the content of a a regulation you can't look up how again not to irritate everybody when you're going out telling them stuff yeah yeah i i I guess i i understand that because from where tanner is um there's a lot of people i I know in the middle east that acronyms are used a lot aren't they uh, so and those acronyms have in the past led to um, confusion and communication issues. So you want to make sure that they understand the basics. So I understand where you're coming from. And I guess I understand where Gemma's coming from, that you want to uh, you you appreciate the fact they've got the qualification. You expect them to deliver on that side. But you want to mm-hmm. see you're seeing if they fit, fit the fit the uh, organization, don't you fit, fit what your yeah. needs are. Right. OK. An interview is a two way street. It's not just us deciding whether you are part of, you know, you're good enough. It's also deciding whether actually I put a third of my life into this job. Mm. Do I actually want to spend it around these people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good you know, point. It's the, yeah. the interviewee deciding whether that's something that they want to spend their time doing. I mean, your job, if you do it well, you are there for a long time. You are in the company. You are, you know, you spend a third of your day every day doing your job, if not more, you want to do it in a, in a situation where you are, um, you, you suit. So I wouldn't, well, say at the minute, I'm not in the tidiest. I wouldn't go for a customer facing job looking like this. 
So if I have to yeah. go out on the site and talk to people all the time, yeah, okay, I might dress down a bit. Yeah. But so uh, just seeing Charles's um, comment there about self-discipline being key, and if you turn up looking like you spent the night in the skip, feeling rather attacked right now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I let, let, we have to put into context that you are you are at work and you're in a key worker position. Uh, considering in the UK what the situation is right now, I think it's admirable that you're there, number one. <laughs> and number two, you know, power to you for that. Um, I, I think on this, and, and Salom, you are, as, as, we, as I said, you're at the sharp end. Do you, do, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, do you get quizzed a lot technically or in the past? Have you experienced this or what's your gut feel? I think the, the craze bit comes in when you are just a lot of people and they are looking to shortlist further to get the, the very good ones. I think that's, that's where I've experienced being crazy at some point in my interview experience. Beyond that point, it's just um, a two-way conversation where the interviewer takes a deep dive into your experience, how you've handled certain scenarios at the workplace, and tends to make the atmosphere very relaxed because they want to be able to find out the real you, how you address workplace issues, to find out if you are really the exact fit for the job. The crazy bit really comes in when maybe a lot of applicants have applied and they want to really reduce the numbers. And of course, they want to set the same benchmark for everybody. So you have to know your stuff technically. You need to know what all the, I mean, all the technical aspects of health and safety is all about. Yeah. And once you have been able to cross that line, I think the rest has to do with making sure that um, you are well known as the right person for the job. So that's when the interviewer needs to adopt different style of interviewing just because they want to find out the real you and how you are capable to, I mean, the fit the job. What, what's interesting for me here is we've got different lenses, okay? We've got the United Arab Emirates Middle East, We've got Gemma and me in the UK, and we've got Salom in Ghana, and we've got a few people on chat from all over the place as well. So it's good we're getting some collective input in here. Uh, thanks, Salom. Um, now, we've got a question from Chandra here. Interesting. In my view, safety professionals should have knowledge about civil, mechanical, electrical, chemical, HR, and admin skills, planning skills, computer skills, only core, technical, not sufficient. So what Chandra is saying is you've got to be a jack of many trades and a master of none, basically. Hmm. I think also you've got to have a bit of uh, diplomatic skills as well. I won't say politician, but <laughs> diplomatic skills. Um, is that our experience? Is that your experience, Tanner? Um, I totally agree because, um, as I mentioned before, that health and safety and one profession, I mean, is a very wide topic and people usually expecting i mean the people in your organization they are expecting this is my experience they are expecting you to know each and every everything i mean this is somehow i mean very difficult i mean they are asking you you know some different questions you need to know about chemicals because you know let's say in my uh, uh, in my uh, workplace we are working with chemicals so you should know you know what chemicals you know how you can store them, let's say, cost, uh, risk assessment, the other things. On the other hand, we are using cranes, then you should know some mechanical things that, you know, that you should be able to make some calculations if people bring in you any lifting plan. I mean, 
you know you should be able to verify the, the the calculations because in the end you will be responsible because you are putting your signature into mm -hmm. that so that mm -hmm. last comment from our you know uh, viewer i i totally agree and diplomatic mm -hmm. of course i mean you should be able to you know uh, uh, let's say solve the conflicts on the on the workplace if you know if it comes to that and people should uh, people should be able to people can people should come to you i mean you know when there is a problem that they are not able to come because there, there is other things also that you know recently very famous uh, mental health also is important oh, so yes. I, I that i should add into you know uh into our let's say hsc professionals uh, qualification maybe i don't know we should be able to have some let's say i'm not saying skills because it takes time but you know knowledge and you know how to direct them into the right course you know for getting yeah, help yeah. From, you know so it's a very wide um let's say uh, practitioner i mean from my point of view and right. you know uh, right. not easy to do so yeah all the time. well let's let's take a, a sanity check here with the words that charlie's put forward which is context 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 okay <laughs> Thanks. I think that might be directed at me. <laughs> well, it's a nice cue, actually, because what, what I've always found with any discussions about job interviews and top tips and everything else, and I've done a few of these now, and we start, uh, we start to see what I call a bit of baloney coming in in terms of LinkedIn profiles and buzzwords and nonsense and things and so on. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a bit of a summary to the discussion so far, just so that we can get a line because the show title is panning along the bottom there. It says view from the top, job interviews and top tips. Okay. First one, focus. Make sure, and I've written these down as well, make sure the job that you're going for is a job that you want and your CV. It sounds silly, but a lot of the time, because of desperation, you'll throw CVs out everywhere, won't you? I have in the past. I'd be guilty of this. Make sure you focus on the job that you want. Make sure it fits that your, your needs and it, and it gives you a good opportunity to get your foot in the door and past the door, right? The next thing is we said that once you've got in and you've been whittled down to from thousands down to 10 make sure that you are looking the part and not come out of a skip basically as charlie put it um or a dumpster as they say in the in the us but make sure you fit the role fit the part and you at least make some attempt at looking reasonable then we said, okay, do we need to be technically Einstein or do we need to be somewhere a bit more practically minded, pragmatically minded, etc.? I guess the answer is a bit of everything. You, you really need to be nowadays, I guess, a master of many trades, uh, sorry, a jack of many trades and a, and a master of none because companies, especially with COVID and everything, I hate that word, that thing in the background, okay, that's happening around the world called the pandemic. They're going to be looking at people with multi-skills. Yeah. Definitely. Um, that's, that's the important thing. So we've got really three big top hitters there for, for people. Of course, I've mentioned, check your name on Google to make sure that yeah. it's okay. Um, so that was just a quick summary, more for my sanity as well. Alexander says, most of the recruitment agencies also fail in their shortlisting process in terms of selection. Yes, I, I agree with you. I think uh, recruitment agency, agencies, in my opinion, and please uh, everybody chime in, I think they're struggling just as much for work as anyone else, okay, because clients are 
very resource uh, limited now. Uh, are you using recruitment agencies, Tana? Um, uh, I mean, let's say very. Uh, not all the time. I mean, most of the time we we have a database that you know people going through our web page and you know putting the information into that, and that's the first pool that we are looking for the candidates. I mean, even if we are not, you know, announcing an opening, they can go through our web, web page and, you know, in the career page and they can drop their information. That's the first pool that we are looking when we are, you know, going on to, uh, you know, uh, market that, you know, for hiring people. Excellent. And uh, Gemma, are you... Uh... Recruitment agencies can be quite interesting because um, in my last role, I was helping to come, to replace myself and I received an email from the person uh, who was arranging my cover, sent it to me saying, I found this job, thought you might be interested in it. It's like, yeah, I talked to you earlier today about replacing me in this job. Um, <laughs> mm, talk, talk about, uh, what's that, an own goal, huh? Oh, A little bit. Uh, it's yeah. good if I knew that my job was going, really, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but a lot of the time you have recruitment agencies and you're trying to recruit for a specialised role with somebody who doesn't understand the role. And that's the difficulty with recruitment agencies. It's fine if you're doing something, you know, administrative assistant, you're typing into, you know, keying into certain different um, bits of software where you've got such a specialised um profession where you've got you know oil and gas and food are completely different uh, approaches to health and safety mm -hmm. and yeah. if you've got somebody who doesn't understand the industry trying to recruit for it they're going to struggle mm. sure. very much so yeah very much um we've got a question in from darlington so long any thoughts for i put this question up but it's already gone well, up. i also think that um, the trend is gradually changing in recent times, you're having most of the roles being um, um, sourced by recruitment agencies, basically because um, most of the clients don't want to take too much risk, considering the, the business atmosphere nowadays full of uncertainty. So the trend now is that most people are going to be recruited by recruitment agencies. And I'm sure there are a lot of them out there who are experts in their trade. I mean, there are some that are specialized in oil and gas some are specialized in construction and stuff like that so um the only thing that i really find great about recruitment agency is probably the fact that maybe they are not really guided by best practice because you could have some who would sort of take you through a whole journey of recruitment and then at the end of the day they will probably just drop you off without any form of um better communication i've had a chance of going through such an experience so sometimes the question i ask myself is um are they really guided by best practice? And if not, what standards are there to sort of guide them? Because um, that's sort of the trend now. And whether I like it or not, um, you are likely to be recruited by a recruitment agency because that's that's how the industry is changing nowadays. You'll be very lucky to be recruited by clients directly these days. Mm. Um, very good, yeah. I mean, Darlington's pose the question first I, I guess i guess that's a bit of an echo chamber conversation we've all been saying the same thing and that is yeah you know focus make sure you know what you're aiming for what job it is etc and all those things now i've i've got a question which i've put in my back pocket and i'm gonna i'm gonna get it out tana because i want your thoughts on this sure. 
job interviews, jobs, top tips. Yeah, fine. You know, a while back, it was straightforward. You find a job, you apply for the job and you go for the interview face to face, eyeball to eyeball. This is not the case anymore, is it? I mean, we are now doing things in a new way of digital technology. This that we're doing is a new way. There's going to be more and more and more of this in the future. But being in front of cameras is not everybody's cup of tea. Are you doing a lot of interviews now by Zoom and all those things and, and, and Gemma as yourself uh, and, and Salon, what's your experience? Let's start with you, Tanner. What's your, are you doing them by interviews through Zoom now? Through Zoom most of the time because, you know, I'm avoiding to, let's say, to be honest, I'm avoiding to people, I'm avoiding taking people into my office, you know, just to protect my people in the organization. That's one thing that, because otherwise you need to, make, let's say, COVID-19 test, and if they represent, let's say, a negative result, then you can take them in. But there are, uh, you know, big questions, question marks on that. Most of the interview I'm uh, making, you know, through Zoom, and some of them through telephonic interviews. And, yeah, so, so many people struggling. And, you know, most of the time I advise them that, you know, make this uh, practicing. I mean, practice this with your friends. I mean, practice job interview with your friends. Ask one of your manager, maybe, or one of your colleagues to uh, make interview with you through, let's say, Zoom, or let's say, you know, Gmail has this Meet application, so you can use that. Practicing is important. I mean, it's because it is affecting uh, to my decision, you know, how these people, uh, I mean, using their hands, body language, the other things. I mean, it's not like face-to-face, but still, you can get some from the, you know, uh, you know, their uh, acts during this uh, online interviews. Mm. Let's go to Salom. Salom, what's your view? Do you, do you, have you seen a lot of uh, interviews going on with uh, uh, Zoom and stuff in your organization? Okay. Well, it depends on um, where you are being interview, interviewed from. Uh, I think that um, it depends on the location of the interview team. If probably they are based in another country, definitely they would want to interview you through Zoom. But if you are if the job is closer within your country and it's quite a, dis- um, a shorter distance, getting over to the place, definitely they want to meet you physically. I think that um, considering the fact that now there's um, COVID with us, uh, maybe people are going to look at um, other better options like doing it via Zoom and all that. And I think that this is probably the right time that people should begin to change their interview approach to even mm-hmm. do it more and more via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um- yeah, good. I mean, Gemma, uh, it's. I can tell you that I find it every time. I was telling my wife before I came on camera, I said, every time before I go on camera, I feel, ooh, is it going to work? Is it going to do this? Is it going to do that, etc." It's not easy, is it? No, I mean, I've done these and been as tired from an hour on a video call as I have been from a day of an event. <laughs> It's quite stressful. The cortisol level goes through the roof, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's it's difficult because you, you rely so much on feedback from the other person. And a lot of it is uh, unconscious feedback and it's from their body positioning. And if you can only see this amount of a person, I mean, you don't know whether I'm wearing trousers today or not. I could, I could be dancing around with just my underwear on. You don't know that. But if you come in and spoken to me face to face, 
and you saw that I was interviewing you with no trousers on. You've run the opposite direction really, really fast. News at the minute, isn't there? Who was uh, caught out on a Zoom call? Yeah, didn't yeah that's the camera was on. Yeah, I, I remember the famous one with the guy on the news and his kids come barging in like that, and it was quite hilarious. But it, you can make it into a viral video as well. I'm still waiting for one myself. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a I've got a question here from Andrew, uh, Andrew Maturi. Hey, Sonny, question. Welcome to the show, Andrew. What's the balance between work experience and academic qualification for HSE positions and especially managerial positions? I think in many ways you've answered that question yourself, haven't you? Because um, when you talk about someone who's going for a technical position, you want to be more biased towards the technical side. If you're going for a managerial position, you need to be more biased towards the people side. Have I said anything that's wrong there, Tanner? That's quite, uh, you know, uh, summarized. And uh, the I must say that I'm having another, uh, let's say, uh, sets of questions for managerial positions. I mean, um, you know, you should have in-depth, uh, I mean, sometimes we spend one hour in, with one question that we are going through deep and deep and deep, you know, just you need to understand how uh, this person is able to, you know, um, handle different scenarios. And, you know, this is, of course, it is, uh, but work experience, um, academic qualification is one thing, but, you know, through this uh, journey that, you know, you need to go through uh, some other, let's say, certifications, which gives you, I believe in, you know, attending to, let's say, professional certification courses every year. Myself, I do that, you know, like, let's say I'm having one uh, qualification course every year. This is my, I mean, this is, this is what I do. And every year I go through one just to keep myself fresh because the industry is changing. The way of we are working is changing. The legislation are changing. You know, these are the things that I look for. And the experience, of course, very important. If you are looking, if you are going to hire someone for an oil and gas, you know, uh, construction, you need people from oil and gas uh, construction background, which is, you know, which is uh, fair to say, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gemma, fair comment. Technical, technical, managerial, managerial people. Uh, yeah, I mean, for managerial, you have to have at least a vague idea of the technical aspect. So you're not telling people completely the wrong thing to do. But for management, the idea is that you're managing. The ideal management role, really, is you sort the other people and the other people do the actual technical work and you're managing the people. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and Salon, any thoughts on you before I um, put another question up from Darlington? Okay, I just agree with everybody. I mean, as a manager, you definitely need to have people's skills to be able to yeah. manage people effectively, apart from the fact that you have some bit of technical knowledge because you need yeah. to understand exactly what, what people are doing, you need to understand the, the craft, and then sure. also make sure you have the people's skills. Thanks, Salam. So let's just cover a couple of these questions. Um, I don't know who this is. There's LinkedIn News. I completed my BTEC in safety and fire engineering from a NBA accredited university. Is it enough to get a good job? Again, we are sort of echo chambering here. You've answered that question in the sense that a good job is only as what you think it is. You know, if it could be the job from hell for what we know. Uh, is it good enough? Don't know. Check it out. Focus. Focus on the job that you're applying for. Make sure that it is something to do with safety and fire engineering and not something to do with 
a subject that you have no experience in, uh, you can't really go wrong with doing research to make sure that you are the right fit for that job. Um, Darlington says, uh, why do employers recruitment... Why do employers' recruitment years of experience in a job very high, even below the salary expectations? I don't quite understand. Do you understand that one, Tanner? Um, what I think that Mr. Darling, Darlington is asking, the, for example, you see some job ads that they are looking for 15 years' experience and they are offering, let's say, a, a basic salary. I mean, very ah. uh, low level of salary. I think he is uh, trying to say that. I mean, yeah. it is not the case for each and every organization, I must say. I mean, um, it's not the case for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Charlie's saying, hey, Charlie, you popped up with a picture now, so uh, I guess your systems are back up and running. It says MOOC, which I assume is Management of Organizational Change, is creating too many Mickey Mouse courses. One person did a 100 of them over the last six months. Would you interview or employ this person? Just To me, it just means that they enjoy going to training courses. That's all. What do you think, Janet? Oh, Gemma, actually, to start with you, Gemma. I was going to say, uh, somebody doing 100 over the last six months, yes. I'd say they're making use of their time over either furlough or something like that. So, yes, I would. In an ordinary six months, they've done 100 different online courses. I think, what on earth have you been doing other than that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Charlie's saying multiple online courses. Yeah. I mean, I've done a fair few. I write a fair few of them. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just if your job is doing anything and you're spending all of your time doing online courses what else are you actually doing are you actually doing any work do you actually know anything or do you just know these half dozen things sorry my glasses are falling off that these online courses are teaching you i suppose it also depends on the quality of the online courses you're doing mm -hmm. i've been bored the last six months i've done loads <laughs> we, we, we're no, doing well, we're doing really good on time. Uh, we've actually chalked up, Tanner, one hour and a minute. So do you want to take this question uh, yourself? Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, it depends on the, let's see if this is the scenario, it depends on the this individual's situation. Maybe this person, um, you know, has uh, enough resources to, you know, survive without working, let's six months, and he or she is trying to make himself or herself more eligible for the organization after COVID. I mean, it, it may happen. I mean, I don't mind to take interview with this person and, you know, just to justify what he or she has been going through. Mm. I mean, and just, you know, I would like to learn uh, uh, some from this person also, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. I respect that. I mean, I, I have, I, I don't see anything wrong with this. Okay. That's so long. No, that's a good, everyone's got a point of view. We must, we must get them all uh, collectively. So long, what's your thoughts? Uh, are you doing uh, all the time courses? Well, I think that for a person to do 100 courses within six months, I mean, it can tell you the caliber of such a person. Maybe the person just is of the mindset that certificate is very, very important for getting a job. Well, I think that, um, and it will also be weird for the person to put all of the 100 on his CV. I think yeah. you, need to, you need to sort of deduce exactly what you've learned. What value are you bringing to the table? Just summarize them in your CV and then we can then have a conversation. But you can't, I think 100 um, certificates for an interview wouldn't fly. I think you need to show more than that. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I thought I'd pick a subject which I thought we might squeeze dry within 20 minutes, but we've actually chalked up over an hour and we've had a lot of engagement of folks, which which I think is really, really good. And my thanks to Tanner and to Gemma and to Salom and Thank Tanner, you. especially your good self as our special guest, because you've been super, super busy. You've been traveling all over the place. I know that. Um, I just want to have some, some, some sort of... Um, closure on this if i may if you'll indulge me and folks online as well um right now we're in a very difficult situation okay uh, we need to be a lot smarter a lot more focused in terms of what we're doing and forgive me this comes from the heart it's not me you know sitting on a soapbox or pedestal i'm just saying that when you when you do things do things that are interesting creative keeps you focused keeps you energized keeps you positive yeah I know that it's so easy to jump into courses and just do them willy-nilly. If you're going to pay for it and you don't have job, jobs at the moment, be mindful, be careful, because they don't always yield returns and rewards in that investment. If you're doing it because you want to do it, like I've seen lots of things on LinkedIn where people are saying, I finally got my IOSH certification, right? Yes, because it's been sat there for years and suddenly they've decided that their CPD for the last 10 years needs catching up before they put this. Fine, do it. Get it off the slate now while you can do it, okay? But careful what you do. Be focused. I can't really – I'll be doing an echo chamber myself. Just focus. Do the things that are right and um, you won't go wrong. And Charlie says, study what matters. I, you know – as always, Charlie, when I spoke to you last time, you always things, put things eloquently. I think, would you all concur with that, everyone? That it is study what matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Study what's missing. Sorry? Study what you're study missing. Study what you're missing and plug up the gaps on what you should have been having in the first place as well. You know, IOSH yeah. credentials or whatever it is that you need. Can I just take this opportunity to say thank you so much, uh, Mr. Tanner, for your time. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Super busy man. And I can always but thank our stream team, missing some of them, unfortunately, because of all sorts of uh, challenges they've got. But Gemma, thank you so much for your time. Salom, thank you for your time. And, of course, thank you to everybody on the chat. You are all Really helpful in terms of collaborative experience. I can see loads of things. Unfortunately, we're half a minute ahead, so we don't see all the conversations and discussions. If we've missed anything, drop us an email. And we don't always get to see how many people are watching the show. Not that that is important. It's more important to make sure that the people who do take part get some value and that we do connect, share, and learn. Thanks a lot. Till next time. Catch you soon. Okay. And uh, be well and good luck with your job hunting, whoever you are, wherever you are. Ciao. Bye for now.